Joining me now is Texans punter Shane Leckler, and this is your 17th <laughs> opening of training camp. What does it feel like to be out here again in season number 17? Uh, you know, it's it's awesome feeling. You know, just to be a part of a team, an organization like this, is uh, it makes everything fun. And uh, to be able to come out here and compete with these guys after working out with them from March until, you know, the end of June, and then finally getting to put this stuff together as a whole group is, um, you know, something I look forward to. Could you ever imagine growing up in East Bernard that you're, you're going into a season that you're going to be 40 years old in the opening game? Growing up in East Bernard, I never, you know, dreamed that I'd play this long. Now, would I? my dream was to play in the NFL. I probably thought I'd be coaching by now, but, uh, you know, this is awesome to be able to come out and do this. Um, got a great group of teammates and uh, great staff and ownership here. So, like I said, man, it, it's a great place to be. What's the biggest difference for you from the first training camp that you were at to, to this one right here? You know, uh, not a lot. You know, there, it, it's strange that I was still nervous today. And, uh, you know, it's first day out. You just kind of come out trying to knock some of the rust off. And um, I guess the beginning part was trying to make the team. And, you know, and that's still kind of what pushes me every year. You know, it's, it's not a guarantee, you know. And uh, you go in there and try to bust your tail and do what you can and be consistent every day. And that's, you know, that's my my drive. What do you remember about playing against coaches, though? You, you, you are now – it's not going to be your coach, but you played against him for a long time or two, right? Yeah, you know, I got Coach Izzo. He was a special teams coach. I've been to a few Pro Bowls with him and uh, played against him numerous times. Uh, we, as a matter of fact, we talked about the tuck rule game today. He was in New England when that happened. And it's fun, and it's uh, it's cool to see those guys be able to turn the page and be the other side of it. You know, uh, you know, Izzo, Vrabel, played against him. You know, all those guys, I think they're great coaches, one, great people, too, and uh and, and you can relate to them because they've been in your shoes not too far back. Does that Super Bowl now seem like another lifetime ago for you? It does. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still fortunate to have played in one, haven't been able to win one. But uh, it does seem like a long time ago, but there's still some great memories back there. What do you remember from that day? Other than just the game, what do you remember from just the whole day and going through the process of, of being in a Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday? I, I remember it going, like, uh, you know, looking back at it, I kind of wish I would have taken a little more in. I felt like it went very fast. I thought that I felt like the day would just flew by on me, and uh, you know there was a lot going on. That was back whenever the AFC Championship game was the weekend prior, so there was no two weeks. You know, you didn't have time to kind of get settled. You didn't have time to figure out things. You won the AFC Championship game, jump in a team meeting, fly out the next day. That kind of put everything in fast forward, and that's how it went. What was it like playing for the Raiders back then, and and, and playing under Al Davis and, and the coaching staff, and you know, that Raiders always brought back their players, and, and they had them in the, in the, as part of the coaching staff, so you knew the tradition, and you, you knew about it. They talked about it, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big tradition there, you know, about that. And they, uh, you know, they the Raiders, they take care of their own, and it was a fun organization to play for. Al Davis was a very, very loyal and interesting owner to play for. You know, he always seemed to have the players back. But uh, it was a fun experience to learn for from. I'm very fortunate and glad to be where I'm at now, though. What's the best return guy that you face? What, what guy scared you the most in, in your 16 years so far? Man, I just saw him out here. My old college teammate, Dante Hall. I don't know where he went. I was hoping to shake his hand, but uh, Dante was one of the, I mean, back then when you're nicknamed the human joystick, that's, there's a reason behind it, and uh, that's a dangerous guy, man. Lots of speed with the, the guys that the Texans picked up, and lots of times you see that in the special teams. What does it mean to have that kind of speed and adding that sort of speed and the special teams unit this season. I mean, it makes it makes my job easier. As uh, long as I'm pinpoint with accuracy, 
those guys uh, with that speed can uh, can make up a big difference in the kicking game. And that's what I'm very glad we went and got the speed. And now it's just up to me to do my job to put it where it needs to be. Is there a way that you can tell this early in a training camp how a team is going to be as far as personality or maybe the success of the team? Do you get a feel for that early on after being through this a few times? I think it's um, like there's a lot of building up to that. Uh, I think right now, you know, with this being the first day of camp, I think right now everybody's just trying to feel their way and figure out their role and what they're going to be. And uh, I think the character of the team will build once this stuff kind of gets in the dog days of camp. Whenever it gets down and dirty and very hot, stacked day after day after day, that's when you kind of figure out the character of the team, I believe. Have you got a better feel for Coach O'Brien after a couple a couple of years of being around him? Do you know when is when he's going to be in the good moods and when he's going to be in the in the in the, in the more intense moods? I guess during the training camp. Yeah, uh, you know he can flip that switch pretty fast, and uh, he's he's been nothing but great for us. He's uh, you know he keeps everything upbeat and on time. Practices fast, meetings are quick. It's one of those things. You know we play with tempo, and uh, and with his attitude and demeanor, he keeps you on your toes. Were you able to do anything interesting this offseason? I know you like to fish. Is that is that mostly what you were doing this offseason or anything else? Yeah, I was uh, I was on the boat about three days a week, man, at minimum. And, uh, you know, that's my fun. You know, I love that stuff. Been a few nights down the British Virgin Islands, um, did some stuff down there, a lot of snorkeling, diving. Anytime I'm on the water, man, that's, that's kind of where I find the heart rate slows down for me a little bit. One last thing. I know you're second in total yards as far as punters in, in history. You're 10,000 back now from, from uh, Jeff Fiegels, I believe. So do you think you could hold up for a few more years? Do you think you could take out Fiegels? Man, that is a long ways away. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to approach this one year at a time right now. And, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff played for so long with such a pro. That's a hard task to get to. But, you know, I'm not saying it's not attainable, but uh, I am going to take it one year at a time. Shane Leckler, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck this season. Right, appreciate it. Hey, Super Bowl champion QB Kurt Warner was out at day one of Texans training camp for the NFL Network. What does Warner think about the Texans' big picture? Here's what he had to say. We're always going to say it's a quarterback-driven league, yeah. and I think that fits this team to a T when you look at how they're built. I mean, this is a defense that over the last five years since J.J.'s gotten here has been second best in the league if over those five years to the Seattle Seahawks, who we talk about as one of the greatest defenses in our league. Uh, so we know the defense is there. You look at their weapons. DeAndre was as good as anybody last year. You bring in a Lamar Miller, a young guy that's had some great production. And then you bring in a quarterback that, although unproven, was kind of the free agent guy to have this year. So there are definitely a lot of pieces there. But I still believe, you know, coming in this year, you say Houston Texans are a quarterback away from being able to compete at that next level with those upper echelon teams in the AFC. And that, to me, is still the question, is where is Brock Osweiler at this year? Is he the guy that can take them to the next level, or is he still under you know, a year away from you know, going through that learning curve and becoming that guy? But I believe all the pieces are here to compete if you get solid, consistent quarterback play. Just like Brock Osweiler, Warner was thrust into the starting role after being a backup and he talks about that transition. There's definitely some similarities there that, um, you know, for me, I didn't even have five starts when I got kind of thrust into that position. You know, the one side, it's what you've always waited for. It's what you've been working for. It's what you've always believed you should be was a starter in this league, and you welcome that opportunity. But then you also understand, and, you know, you can try to, you know, push it into the corner and say, well, $72 million and be in the face of a franchise, 
there's no added pressure. There is pressure. You know, when, when teams are expected to win and you're expected to be that leader and be the, the difference maker, there is a pressure and expectation. And, you know, we always say nobody sets a higher expectation of ourselves than us, but everybody else watches those expectations instead of just us dealing with it in our own bedroom. And so, you know, there, there is definitely something real to that. As much as you try to push it back and quiet that, you feel the pressure. Um, and again, it's not necessarily a bad thing because you want the pressure and you want to believe that you can handle that pressure and play your best in those kind of situations. Um, but it's there. And I think especially for this team that's uh, you know, been nine and seven, two years in a row, won the South last year, and everybody looks at them and says, they're good, but they're a quarterback away from being able to compete with the Pittsburghs, the New Englands, the Denver's type teams. And so now you bring in that quarterback, and now you're supposed to be that difference maker that takes this team to the next level, and you've only started five games in the league. And so it's definitely there, but you know, I love Brock's demeanor. I love the fact that he's been in the league a number of years and had a chance to learn from a great one in Peyton Manning, uh, you know, great coach and quarterback coach here in Coach O'Brien. So I think there's a lot of things in his favor. But again, it's all going to be determined on do you live up to $72 million? Do you live up to the expectations that this team is a quarterback away and now you're that guy? Warner also changed teams a couple of times, like Osweiler, so he spoke to the difficulty of that transition. I've always felt that no matter how much you've played and how successful you've been in the league, to go from one system to another and learn the nuances of the system, and by that I mean getting to the point where you can just react and play and not think, it usually takes about 12 months. Now, there's things that you can learn and things that you can take, oh, we did this in Denver or we did this in St. Louis for me, but just the nuances where, you know, it's like, you know, if somebody's speaking Spanish and you know how to speak Spanish, you always translate it back into English first and you go, okay, that means this in English. And it's the same way in football is that, you know, you get a protection call here and you go, okay, that meant that in Denver. Okay, now I know what that means. But just that half a second in the National Football League and, and it's over. And so you have to get to the point where you know exactly when you call a formation, you can see it in your head. When you call a protection, you know exactly where your hot receivers are and who's being picked up. And that takes time. You know, so not only do you have a quarterback that's coming in learning a new system, you've got a running back that's learning a new system. You've got a lot of receivers that are going to be called upon to be a big part of this offense. They're learning new systems and learning new roles. And so, um, you know, it just isn't on the quarterback, but trust me, it takes time to the, get to the point where you can say, all right, now I can just call a play and I can go up to the line and I know, you know, like second nature, what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to put the ball. With the NFL Hall of Fame inductions next weekend, we asked Warner how much he thinks about his own candidacy for Canton. The first year when you get to be a finalist, you kind of see yourself as a Hall of Famer. You're like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And then they tell you you're not, and you're, like, disappointed, and you're like, oh, man. And then you come back the second year when they've already told you you weren't, and you kind of go into it going, well, I guess I'm not a Hall of Famer until you hear your name. So for me, the pressure's gone, you know, that it's, it's now I'm enjoying the process. Honored to be a finalist for two years in a row. You know, I'm not even supposed to be in that category and in that conversation. So it's all a blessing for me. So it's much easier now than it was the first year, just because I think, you know, first time through, the expectations are a little bit different. And now it's like, let's just enjoy the process. There's a lot of great players that are up for this and guys that are deserving to get in the last couple years. I understand why I didn't, um, you know, and if it happens, it's icing on the cake to me for uh, an unbelievable journey, an unbelievable career. But there's no anxiety. There's no angst over it that uh, I'm one of those guys that understands I was very, very blessed. And if I'm able to get that gold jacket, uh, that's just one more blessing. But it, it will not ever dictate the journey that I had and the joy I have from this game.
actually the last time I saw you in person was Super Bowl thirty four. I was in oh, the wow. where, I was in the corner where of the you been? <laughs> I was in the corner of the end zone. I was I was shooting the, the game for the CBS affiliate. I was in the corner. Isaac Bruce ran right at me for that game winning yeah. touchdown. The Rams not being there this year, you winning a Super Bowl for a team that no longer is in existence, you're, you're going to be the only great memory for that franchise. What is it like to go into a training camp and go into a year where there is no more St. Louis Rams? You know, that's a tough thing. I mean, I think those of us that only played in St. Louis are still trying to figure it out. You know, it's hard to say Los Angeles Rams uh, because, you know, they're synonymous with St. Louis in my mind. It's hard to figure out where my legacy fits and what my role is within this organization being that they're playing in a place that I never was and they've got a history there that I was never a part of. But at the same time, you also understand the business of the game and you understand the history of the Rams in L.A. Uh, When I was in St. Louis and every time I went to L.A., there was a huge contingent of fans that were all for us and that were cheering for us and, you know, cheering for us when we went to Super Bowl 34 and all those things. So you understand the rich history of the Rams organization in L.A. It was there twice as long as it was ever in St. Louis. The hard part is just that I was never there. And I know the people in St. Louis. I know what that community meant to me. I know what those memories were like. Um, And that's going to be missed. But hopefully uh, all of us find a home with the Rams organization, even though they've moved to a different location. I think that's what all of us want is that uh, too many great memories with that organization uh, to kind of be left out in the cold. But we're all just kind of looking to see what's going to be our role and our part of, you know, the Rams in L.A. I was going to also ask you just, as a personal aside, Mike Jones, the guy that makes the tackle at the goal line, I'm right there also on the goal line when he makes the game-winning tackle. Mike Jones, people don't might not remember this, he was a running back at the University of Missouri. I was at the University of Missouri covering him as oh, a running back. Yeah. So well, it's amazing to me that uh, here's a guy that – Makes the game-winning tackle. What were you thinking when you when you saw that that last play? I tell you what, it is so amazing the athletes that you have at the National Football League level. I don't think people fully understand unless you're up close and personal to it what kind of athletes you have. And so yeah, you're talking about a guy. It's hard enough just to make a roster and play, especially a position that you've played your entire life. Now you take a guy like Mike Jones that flips to a different position and not only made a couple plays, but he was an instrumental part of what we did that year. Uh, you know, he had a number of interceptions for touchdowns where you saw that running back skill uh, in catching balls and making plays and then, you know, a perfect tackle in a situation where you don't hit that tackle perfect, Kevin Dyson probably gets himself into the end zone and we may be talking about this a little bit differently, but, you know, picture perfect tackle, uh, still remembered to this day, watching it. Uh, The only problem was from my angle, I couldn't tell if the ball was reached across the goal line or not, but uh, I knew we had a chance when I looked over at the officials and then you see him wave it off uh, at that point, but, um, you know, you can't say enough. Those are those are moments that are etched in your memory and etched in your history and a huge part of our legacy. Um, and that's the best part about football is that you get a chance to enjoy those with other people, that it takes 53 guys to win a championship. Isaac Bruce making that catch and then the run afterward. Azakim making the block to spring him. You know, Mike Jones making the tackle on the other end or doesn't matter what the quote-unquote greatest show on turf offense did if you don't have that defense to couple with it so uh just so many great memories from my time there and obviously of that game super bowl 34 thanks so much kirk for more interviews subscribe to houston sports talk on itunes or if you're an android user download our free houston sports talk app in the google play store we're also available on stitcher or the TuneIn app and our website is houstonsportstalk.net 